Well, good morning. I'd like to give you all a very warm welcome to our service. If you're a visitor, it's especially good to have you. I hope you feel uh, a warm welcome on this freezing morning. Uh, and if you're online as well, good to have you uh, with us. Uh, just quick notice, just say obviously we're aware of the announcement that was made uh, last night, uh, and so we're keeping an eye on it, and we'll update you with any updates uh, via the bulletin or the website. Uh, so do keep an eye on that um, for any changes. Well, let's pray, and then in a moment we're going to sing. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. Lord, we thank you that we can join together uh, to worship you. Lord, I pray that we would see that as a privilege. Lord, I pray that it be something we're excited about. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be tender and ready to hear what you've got to say to us this morning. I pray that we'd be ready to sing to you this morning. Lord Jesus, you are the risen King. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, may our hearts be full of worship this morning to you, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing now about the risen King Jesus. See what a morning, gloriously bright. It says, Christ is risen. See God's salvation plan, wrought in love, born in pain, paid in sacrifice, fulfilled in Christ the man, for he lives. Christ is risen from the dead. And then, how does it impact us if we follow him? It says, are we are raised with him. Death is dead, love has won, Christ has conquered. So let's sing, let's praise Jesus this morning as we celebrate his resurrection.
Well, if you've been with us on a Sunday morning, uh, you'll know that we're going through Hebrews 11 and looking at faith. And this morning we're carrying on that series. Uh, and John, our pastor, is speaking this morning on faith and big surprises. Faith and big surprises. So we're looking forward to hearing more on that. And in the Hebrews section uh, that John's looking at today, uh, we see that it was by faith uh, that God's people escaped from the Egyptians as they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. And so we're going to read more about that, the background of that, in Exodus chapter 14, uh, verses 10 to 25. And we start where God's people have got to the Red Sea and they're feeling trapped. So, Exodus 14, verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his host his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness and it lit up the night with one coming near the other all night. Without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night. And made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. The waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So our passage today uh, in Hebrews 11 also covers the fall of Jericho and the story of Rahab. 
So we're going to read that story now in Joshua chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 15 to 25. And uh, we start with God's people marching around Jericho. So verse 15 of Joshua 6. On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction. Both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So we're looking forward to reflecting more on that and the faith in those stories with John shortly. Uh, In a moment we're going to sing uh, our second uh, song, We Rest on Thee, Our Shield and Our Defender. Um, And after that John is going to come up and uh, do the children's talk. Uh, But it's a beautiful theme, this theme of resting on God, our shield and our defender. And then just uh, a part of verse 3, we go in faith, our own great weakness feeling, and needing more each day thy grace to know. Yet from our hearts, a song of triumph pealing, we rest on thee, and in thy name we go. Let's stand and sing this song.
Good, do come on down. Good, well, it's nice to be able to speak to you this morning. And I was reading this week in a, a part of the Bible called the Psalms, which are the songs, and I was reading the longest of the songs in the Bible. Do any of you know what the longest of the Psalms is? What number psalm is the longest? There's 150 of them. And the longest one is 176 verses. And it's Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Now, it's a great psalm. And it's about God's word and how he felt about God's word or the Bible. And it's got like a little junior psalm. That's Psalm 19. You knock the hundred off. You get Psalm 19, and that says similar things. And in them, there are at least three things that the Bible is compared to, which should make us mean that we love the Bible. And I've got them in my bag, so I'm wondering if uh, one of you can come up and take one of them to remind us of what the Bible is like. Katie, I think you were first. All right, hold it up high so others can see. And uh, what do you think that is? Honey, okay, honey. So the Bible is like honey, it says. It says, sweeter than honey. Sweeter than honey. Do any of you like honey? Right, you're, you're, would you like to, to have some, um, would you like to have a bit of honey? Would you, I'll get my computer between Molly and Ruby. Would you like, would you like a little bit now or? or or, no, Katie's done one thing. Would anyone like just a little bit of honey on a spoon? You can do. If you think, okay. Katie, that's, you have a little bit of honey on a spoon. You can come up here. Right, let's put a bit on there. And then tell me what sort of taste it is. Right, I think I'd better get it in you before it drops in the carpet. Hmm. Now, would you say that was a bitter taste or a sweet taste? Sweet taste. And that's the point it is making, that honey is sweet. So in those days, honey was perhaps the main sweet thing. Now, now you have chocolates and you have Danish pastries and you have sweets and you like them, I expect. In those days, one of the main things was honey. And he liked honey and he thought, that's like God's word. Because I love God's word. Because there are promises and there are things that comfort me and the things that I love to read about God. I love God's word. The Bible is like honey to me. Right, let's, let's, let's find a second thing. Who, who, who's gonna, who else is gonna do it? Yeah, would you like to do it, Florence? You can put Al down. That's right. Okay, now, what do you think that's meant to be? A gold bar, thank you, yeah, thank you. So this is my attempt at a gold bar, so you see it's gold colour. It's not all real gold, else I wouldn't be able to hold it like that, because gold is very heavy, and also I wouldn't probably have it in here. I'd have it safe place, because it would be worth a lot. And he was saying, twice he says in these arms, that the Bible is is like gold, more to be desired than gold, he says. And what he means by that is the Bible to me is so valuable, it's so special, it's so precious. If I had this solid gold, I'd feel, I've got something really good. 
something really special. And that's what he felt about the Bible. The Bible was so special because it tells him about everlasting life. It tells him about forgiveness. It tells him about the way to be saved. And it's just so important to have. That the Bible was like gold as well as honey. I've got one more thing in here. Somebody a bit more from this end of the pew, I think. Anyone this end want to take one out? Was that a, uh, was that a hand, Lydia? It wasn't why? No, okay. This end it is then. Go then. Okay then. Finn, take it out. Finn, Finn. Aha, uh-huh, what do you think that is? A torch. A torch, yeah. It's a torch. It's a light, isn't it? So this is one of these sort of miners ones, which you can put on, put on there, okay? And I think it's got four different settings, let's see. Uh, and one of them is brighter, has that gone a bit dim? It doesn't show up quite so much this time. Is that flashing, is it? And there's, oh, that's flashing. And then this one's a different colour, is it the red one? Yeah. So, it's like a light, and he said, your word is... A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, it's been getting a bit darker, isn't it? And sometimes I want to go for a walk a little bit later, and it's been a bit more difficult, especially because I often go down a lane and there's no lampposts. So do you know what I do? It may look a bit silly, but I put this on, and then I can see where I'm going. And I don't trip over any roots or walk into the trees or go down in a ditch and get all muddy because I've got a light, a lamp. And he says, the Bible is like that to me. It's a dark world. And as we go through this dark world, we need God's word to show us how to live, about him, the things we should do, the things we need to know. And I have it in the Bible, he says. So, the Bible is like a lamp, it's like honey, and it's like gold. Now, you sometimes have the Bible read to you, maybe, in Sunday school or here. Love it. Perhaps you're at the age where you can start to read a little bit in a children's Bible yourself, or maybe with a few Bible notes. Great, love it. Maybe at your family you sometimes have the Bible read round the table. Look forward to it, love it. The Bible is so special. It's like honey, it's like gold, it's like light. Remember that. Okay, you can head back now, thank you. Well, shall we all uh, join together by praying? Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we come in praise to you who has given us your word. We thank you for your word. It means so much to so many of us. We're glad we're not left in darkness, not knowing the things we need to know about life, about you, about the future, about how to live, but you have given us a light. Lord, we thank you that we're not left um, poor, impoverished, without news of salvation and forgiveness, without knowing about Jesus, but you have given us uh, the gold of your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, though life is hard and difficult at times, it is so um, sweetened by your word, which is such a a joy to us, a delight to us, a comfort to us. It gives us hope, it gives us peace, it tells us about Jesus. We thank you for your word. 
We do pray, Lord, that our hearts may be open to your word. We pray that you will teach us. We pray that you will comfort us through it. We pray you give us ears to listen to it. We pray that our faith will rest on it. We pray that it will direct our lives. We pray the Spirit will use it to enlighten us as we read it, perhaps every day. We pray, Lord, it will give us hope. We pray that it will direct us as a church. We pray that it will equip us for life, for service. May we be um, thoroughly saturated with your word. Help us to make the most of it. We know that sometimes we're not terribly good readers. Maybe we're not regular readers. Or when we do read regularly, we are very distracted. We're, we're sorry for that, Lord. We thank you. You know our frame. You remember we're dust. You know our weakness. You know sometimes life is very full and busy. But we pray to value and appreciate your word. We thank you for what it tells us about Jesus who died on the cross and then of his resurrection, which we've been thinking of already this morning. We praise you for a risen saviour, for the hope, for the strength, for the encouragement that comes through knowing that Jesus is alive. We pray that that will stay in our hearts. Lord, we come and pray that you would have mercy on our country. Uh, Some of us were thinking about that this week as the Christian Institute came and spoke. And we're sad at some of the developments. And Lord, we do pray for sense to reign, for wisdom to prevail, for righteousness to be uplifted. We pray that as uh, the way in which the country seems to approach the attitude of gender seems so often to go against the wisdom of your word, we pray, Lord, that you would stem the tide. We pray over the issues of the end-of-life issues and the way in which... um, that seeks to be undermined in introducing euthanasia. Lord, we pray for um, we pray for that not to progress in the, in our country. We pray against the developments being pushed just this very month um, to outlaw um, uh, wise counsel, prayer, concern for those who have. Uh, Issues of difficulty and and struggle in the areas of same-sex attraction. Lord, we pray that these uh, draconian laws which are being pushed from some quarters will not come in to limit the legitimate work of churches. We pray especially for the way in which uh, the nation might be blessed by your spirit, that there may be a, a time of waking up We're sad that when we've been through this period of so much difficulty that there doesn't seem to be more people spiritually alive and concerned. And we pray for many to be thoughtful about their need of Jesus. Lord, we pray about many things that will be being done in this next month to pass on the message of Jesus. And we pray for you to use them. Help the different churches as they plan so many things, do so many things, give so many talks. Lord, use them to make your sheep hear your voice. We pray for what's done here. Lord, we do pray for the um, wreath, holly wreath making evenings coming up later this week and the talk given there and the friendship and opportunity that that will be and ask your blessing upon those uh, times. 
We pray for us as a church, as we pray on Thursday over Christmas events, that that may be a time of real unity in prayer, uh, really concern for your um, power to be at work through the things that we do. We thank you for all that is done in the life of this church. The things that have been done this week in terms of young people and action. The things that are done in terms of um, the toddler group and Sunday school. And with different age groups and concerns. And we thank you for all that is done out of love, by your strength, by many. And we pray that you'd encourage them in what they do. Lord, we commit to you this morning. We thank you for the blessing and opportunity of having your word open. We've talked about valuing your word and here we are with your word open thinking about what it says. We pray that your Holy Spirit may be at work in our time together. And this we pray for the glory of your name, for the good of us and for the good of others. Amen. So we come now to our next song. We've been thinking about God's word and uh, the next song is in uh, line with that. Now and in reverence and awe, we gather round your word. In wonder we draw near. So when we encourage a, a sense of reverence, awe, wonder, anticipation and prayerfulness as we gather round God's word. So let's sing this song together.
Sometimes we may say that uh, faith has taken a knock. Faith has taken a knock. As we go into difficulties, um, we hear bad news, we have struggles, big disappointments. Faith has taken a knock. On the other hand, we sometimes find that there are things that give faith a boost. Things that give faith a boost. Uh, being reminded of truth, uh, seeing it lived out in the life of others, uh, being pointed to God's character, uh, remembering God's help in the past. These are faith boosters. Well, this little series uh, has aimed to be a faith-boosting series. After the difficulties we've had of lockdown and uh, of the the fact that we face life in a, if you like, a cold, secular society, then this survey of men and women of faith in Hebrews 11 um, should inspire us, should realign us. And I hope you're finding it's having this effect on you as we look at this faith-boosting list of people. We thought about moving down, really, a corridor of portraits of faith. And this morning we have three more. One of them is linked to the tail end of the Moses collection, if you like. In some ways it could have been last week, but we're having it this week. We have that, and then we stride a a few paces with nothing much on the wall. I'll mention that a bit more later. And then we come to two further um, portraits of faith in our gallery of faith, if you like, our exhibition of faith. Now, all three of them are are portraits, if you like, in their own right. There is a whole story behind each one of them. But one element that does connect them, amongst others, is the element of surprise. There are surprising things going on in these episodes. Let me read the three verses at the outset. Hebrews 11, 29 to 31. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now we're going to give each one of them a headline as we go through. This is the first we're going to look at. Not even a toe got wet. Not even a toe got wet. We're at the first one. Verse 29. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Well, throughout the ages really, water has been a tremendous barrier, hasn't it? It's been a barrier to where people would like to go. Uh, We realise that, again, very sadly this week with some of the events of people seeking to cross our channel. The Israelite people had escaped Egypt. Their oppressed, slavish existence in Egypt. You remember the Passover we talked about, uh, was it last week or the last time we were in Hebrews 11? Now they've, if you like, set their coordinates to the promised land of Canaan. But they haven't got all that far when they run into difficulties. 
Uh, God leads them into the area with the Red Sea in front. And at the same time, Pharaoh and his men are having second thoughts about letting the Israelites escape from Egypt and a great army pursues them. Well, the people of Israel get very concerned at the situation and more than that, they are panic-stricken. This all comes out in, in Exodus 14 and hear what they say in verses 10 and 11 when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold the Egyptians were marching after them. They feared greatly and the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, it is because, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done in bringing us out of Egypt? Well, Moses, the man of God, has a different take on the situation. He has a different take on the situation. This is what he says in verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the, for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And then the Lord adds this, to the situation. He says this in verse 15. The Lord says to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. There to go forward. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Maybe you know the, the lovely song written about that theme. In a special act of almighty power, God would be working in this situation. There would be no bridge, there would be no tunnel, there would be no ferries, there would be no sort of fleet of Chinooks evacuating the people. There were too many of them. Overnight, God split the sea there was an easterly wind. It dried out the land. The people travelled through the sea with a wall of sea on both sides and the whole of the horde of the people of, the, of, Israel, of Israel went through the Red Sea to the other side. And not only that, but their cruel masters would no longer pursue them anymore as the military might of the Egyptians was destroyed as God miraculously as he parted the sea, allowed it to fold back and collapse, taking down the Egyptians with it. Now, of course, we need to realise that all three of these that we're looking at this morning are, are special events, and uh, this one is almost... Uh, unique, even the Bible itself, there's uh, something else a bit similar later on. Now you go down to Pevensey with a stick in your hand and however much uh, self-belief or faith you muster up as you strike the water, you'll find that the water stays where it is and doesn't part for you. There are, however, principles here taught by what happened for us as we live out our lives and exercise faith. Um, here we can see a couple of things particularly. Faith despite 
fear. Isn't it striking? I find it striking that the people as a whole here in Hebrews 11 commended for their faith just a few hours earlier were panic-stricken. We read about it, the fear and alarm that they had. It seems surprising that people held up as trophies of faith should be filled with so much fear until, of course, you look at your own heart. And you and I realise how quickly difficulties can throw us into a wild panic with no thought of God. Uh, Jesus' disciples were the same, weren't they? On the sea, in the water, and on other occasions. In some ways this is so encouraging that people whose level of faith dropped so low can be helped by God to be a demonstration and an example of faith to others. So cornered, feeling there's no way out, puzzled, in fear, be encouraged by the faith of the people at the Red Sea. You also have here faith going forwards, faith going forwards. It seemed like an impossible situation and yet they were told to follow God's command and God's command was to go forwards even though the ocean was in front of them. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where God wants us to to go forward and the whole situation just seems so complicated, so hard and so frightening. And we, like them, need to trust in a God who can open up the way, who can open things up at the right time for us to go forwards in obedience. Let me just give you a few areas to uh, apply this. One area might be baptism. So the Red Sea in the New Testament is compared to being uh, baptised. It is the start of their journey. 1 Corinthians 10 talks about being baptised as a picture of going through the Red Sea. And, And maybe baptism is the right step for you. You're You're a believer. And you know you ought to publicly show that's the case. But it seems such a a difficult thing. It seems such an obstacle. And sometimes you need to go forward in faith, looking to obey the Lord, and, and make that first step of talking it through to somebody appropriate. So that might be one area. Another area might just be keeping going in the Christian life. I think this is probably one of the ways in which it was so relevant to the people who was writing to the Hebrews. They had, they were under people's threats. They were under people's frown. They were experiencing uh, temptation. Um, there were others who were not meeting anymore with them, which was discouraging them. People were looking down on their faith and what they believed. And it, it all felt a bit too much. And they feel like throwing in the towel and just stopping in the journey of faith. But then they see of the people of the Red Sea and they see the ways where God allowed them to go forward and encourages them and maybe encourages you in the difficulties of the Christian life to keep pressing forward in obedience to God despite some of the difficulties that you're facing. Be a second thing. 
Another area would be taking forward the gospel. We're called to go. Jesus told us to, to go into all the world, taking the gospel with us. And that often seems difficult and we often want to retreat and we want to just sort of shut up shop in our own little shells of comfort and coziness. But no, we're encouraged, we're told to be going forward. And the Red Sea example is an an encouragement to go forward in faith. I remember we were in Exodus 14 on the Red Sea um, looking at it preached a message on it about the time when James and Rachel were feeling called and as a church we were feeling supportive of that calling for them to go and work in northern Cyprus in gospel work. And there were lots of uncertainties and lots of things that needed sorted out and we didn't know how it would all open up. Well, we look back now at God's kindness, goodness and faithfulness as they've been there serving over ten years as they went forward in faith. Well, it may not be such a bold, dramatic uh, move for you. It may be more straightforward things that God has in store, smaller, specific responsibility, uh, developing a friendship or a conversation, and you need faith to go forward. As I was thinking about this, it felt really... In many ways, for me, every Sunday is a Red Sea. As I face the Sunday coming with its responsibilities, it feels no way through. Perhaps you feel similar with responsibilities and you're encouraged by faith despite fear, faith going forwards. Not even a toe got wet. Three applications may be relevant to you. Well, this group goes forwards. Uh, The faith they had at the start of their journey, not such a good example of faith on their journey. In fact, Hebrews has already referred to uh, the next patch as a, a patch where there was often prevailing grumbling and disobedience and unbelief. And so we do find that after this portrait we've looked at, we have got quite a lot of blank wall, if you like, as we go forwards. There we were, hmm, about a quarter of the way through Exodus in the Bible, and then we find no other portrait of faith in the rest of Exodus, in Leviticus, although it's a different sort of book I know, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, there's a long stretch of of wall where, where there is not much demonstration of faith, and, and we come to the next period, which is actually going to be in the book of Joshua. Sad, isn't it, where the stretches of life with such a dim faith. Maybe maybe that's just what you're going through now. I hope that you'll sort of get to more of a Joshua stage where perhaps even this series itself will encourage you in living out a life of faith. Well, we come to the second episode. Let's call it this. The power of a circular walk. The power of a circular walk. Perhaps you often go on walks. Um, You go on your own maybe, or with your family sometimes, or maybe you're a dog walker. And uh, perhaps you like a circular walk. You know, circular walk avoids a sort of just a there and back. It varies the scenery. You find a a route on the map or that you know, and you can walk around. Most days I do a, a circular walk if I can. Now we think of, of walking as a, 
as something sedate and restful and quiet, but here we read of a circular walk that proved very different. Verse 30. Hebrews 11. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. So this is uh, over 40 years later. They have now reached the promised land that God had uh, said they would get to. They come to the first major city, key strategic city, in order to get into the land and take the land, and that's the city of Jericho. Now, in all their battles, they were to trust God, but uh, uh, many times that was accompanied with more normal tactics, if you like, ordinary tactics. They had an army, there would be battles, they would seek to take uh, cities uh, and encroach on their land. But in the first battle, the Lord decided that they should have a very different approach. His people were to walk around the city of Jericho, keeping quiet, except for trumpets that were blown at the back. They had a special box with them. This was the Ark of the Covenant, and it was God's law and other special things that reminded them of God's presence and how God was dealing with them. And uh, one circuit was enough for each day at first. They did that six days on the trot going round the city of Jericho. On the seventh day, they were to walk round it seven times. They started early. And we read about it in Joshua chapter 6. And at the end of the seventh circuit, there was to be a long horn blow. The army could then shout. It may seem a, a daft idea. It's not what the, the military briefing usually involves, of walking round the city. But they were commanded, and they were to go forward. And they did what the Lord commanded. It must have looked so strange, mustn't it, to the people of Jericho. Imagine the, the amusement, the giggles in Jericho as they walk round again. They're silly walks, look, they're at it again today, this third day on the trot that they've done this. Aren't you going to put up a fight? Seems so unimpressive. Did some of them feel a bit self-conscious? Going round again, what people thinking of us? Did they lose their nerve a little? Was there some murmuring? This is a big waste of time. Somebody get a battering ram. Let's... Let's send some people over the wall. Let's get our swords out. Let's mean business. Well, we don't read that. We read that they obeyed Joshua 6 and verse 20. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the wall, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. How did it happen? Did God send a, a, an earthquake? We're not told the exact method, 
Obviously, though, it was a dramatic intervention of God at that moment to give his people the city. So they progressed in this first key target, if you like, by faith, in a way that seems so weak and so unimpressive. It was God's way to advance the kingdom. And this episode encourages us, encourages us to to plod on in faith, if you like, even when we look unimpressive, even when others look down on us, And this might be relevant in different ways. Maybe you use your time a lot for church work, gospel work, and others are saying they're nuts, a way in which they spend so much time doing that. Maybe people restrain their sexual inclinations to keep it in line with what God intends, and other people says, no, this is an age of freedom. Just do what you want. Let it go. Fulfill your desires. You've got to be you. But you say, no, by faith I restrain my desires and it looks odd to society. Maybe you demonstrate a forgiving spirit to others and people think, well, just get them back. By faith. Unimpressive to others around. I think one special area I thought this was particularly relevant to is the area of prayer. So Jesus says prayer is a key part of advancing the kingdom and you see that in the book of Acts. Seeking God's help, asking him for his strength, seeking for him to work. And that looks so unimpressive. But it's what God uses in the advancement of the kingdom. We find it so easy to lose heart, don't we, in prayer. We need to act as well as pray, but some of us find it easy to just cut straight through to the action, don't we? And to neglect the prayer, and we're encouraged to pray, and this, I believe, reminds us of unimpressive prayer, if you like, being key in the advance of the kingdom. This is true individually for us to be encouraged in unimpressive prayer. Now, I do a lot of my praying on my walks. I find that suits me best to be able to pray away from the desk, away from distractions. I have distractions, but perhaps less distractions. So maybe, I thought of this actually these last few days, maybe my circular walks are one of the most powerful things I do. (laughs) Because I'm praying then. It's encouraged me to be more purposeful in my circular walk each morning. Unimpressive but of great importance. Perhaps this little episode encourages you in your prayer life. Maybe it is prayer walks. Maybe you pray on your car journeys. Perhaps you pray by your bedside. Perhaps you pray at your meal table. Perhaps you pray on your knees. However, significant time. looks so unimpressive to others. makes us think about it as a church. The place of prayer for us as a church. It's an act of faith when we pray together, seeking for God's blessing on the things that we do as a church. So this Thursday, we shall be looking uh, together to pray over 
the Christmas events and activities and distribution of calendars and services and things that are ahead. Will you join us for a circular walk on Thursday? I'm actually going anywhere, but we're here. But it's a bit like Jericho. Unimpressive, just people grew together, people voicing, seeking the help of God. The power of a circular walk. Encouragement to faith. Now, we've been outside of the walls of Jericho. Um, For the last one, we go inside the walls of Jericho. And actually, we had a glimpse of what happened a few days earlier. Called it, no way, not her. No way, not her. We're in verse 31, back in Luke 11. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So, our third example is an individual rather than a group. And the surprising thing here is not so much the sort of powerful effect of what happens as the person who has faith. That's the surprising thing here. So before tackling Jericho, a few chapters earlier, they sent spies into Jericho, but the authorities got wind of these undercover agents that are in the city. The men, however, lived to tell the tale because of one woman, Rahab. She welcomed the spies into her house. Uh, She hid them in the loft under the straw. Uh, She sent them on their way when it was safe, so they escaped the city. Why did she do that? She did so because she had faith in God. She knew that God was to be respected. She knew that God was with the Israelites. This is what she says in Joshua chapter 2, verses 10 and, uh, verses 9 and 10. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. She so, so she had a bold faith. It was rooted in God and his character and what he was done. And so she was, she was willing to take risks And she was willing to go against the flow. She was the odd man out, or if I can say the odd woman out in the city of Jericho and boldly standing with faith in God, an active believer. And this woman of faith is left in the records of faith. And it was especially unlikely for somebody like her to be a person of faith. I say that for two reasons. One is, she was part of God's enemies. Now, you and I might find people dying in the city of Jericho hard and disturbing. We don't enjoy reading things like this. But it's an act of justice from God on those who'd rejected him. Two of these episodes do remind us of God's justice that we do need to keep in mind. God is a God of justice on those who disobey him. In fact, with this city and the others in the land, God had been exceedingly patient. 
You find out in Genesis 15 that God was still being patient on these nations centuries ago and he said they've not been wicked enough yet for me to give you the land. So she was amongst God's enemies. And yet here she is as a person of faith. Secondly, her personal background makes it unlikely. She was a prostitute. Now we don't know how she got into that trade, but her living involved immorality. It involved others cheating and being unfaithful to their wives. She was not using the gift of sex in the God-given way, in the God-given place. We can't justify or condone what she did and how she lived, but this woman becomes a woman of faith. That's a great reminder, whatever our background, whatever our mistakes, whatever sins we have done, we can be welcomed by God. It was said of Jesus, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. We have a welcoming saviour who welcomes sinners like Rahab, like us. And as the spies left, she was told to put a red rope on her window and when the city was taken, her and her family would be spared. She did it and they were safe and saved. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Faith in an unlikely person, a surprising person. Now you may have heard of C.S. Lewis, he's a professor at Oxford last century, he wrote the the Narnia stories. At age 17, C.S. Lewis explained bluntly to a Christian friend he'd known since childhood, I believe in no religion. There is absolutely no proof for any of them and from a philosophical standpoint, Christianity is not even the best. Years later, partly through the influence of another friend, J.R. Tolkien, the author of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, C.S. Lewis was to become a Christian. He was to write books with Christian themes and Christian books. He was to make broadcasts in defence of the Christian faith. An unlikely person. Not him. Not her. So whatever your background, if you trust in Jesus for forgiveness as the Son of God, you will be spared. You may feel your past is chequered like Rahab full of unbelief like C.S. Lewis. They were saved because of their faith. The New Testament wonderfully honours this lady. She's mentioned in James. But perhaps even more stunning, she's movingly mentioned in the first chapter of the New Testament. She's in the family line of Jesus. The body which was so misused becomes as a channel for the line of the Messiah. The Bible's not ashamed to name her in the list.
God's wonderful grace and love towards people of faith, whatever their background, whatever their mistakes. Faith in unlikely places. And maybe that has now proved to be your own heart. So, surprising things going on in these three events in Hebrews 11. Shall we sing about the theme of faith and by faith as we come to our last song. By faith we see the hand of God in the light of creation's grand design.
Heavenly Father, we sometimes come across difficulties and hardships and disappointments and struggles in our life and they can knock us. We thank you for the things which boost our faith and encourage us as we're directed to you and what you have done in the past and what you have done in our lives, your word of encouragement and these great illustrations of faith that we have looked at this morning. We do pray that they would encourage us in our own specific situation where we might be frightened that instead we may go forward in faith in the way of obedience. Encourage us in our prayer life And do put in the hearts of many of us who may have been strange places for faith to occur that genuine trust in you, the living God, a respect for you, a love for your Son so that we might know that we're amongst those who are spared and safe and saved through Jesus. Do then work through your word this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, Amen.